And now we are back with some regular schedule programs. We did the award show last time, even though I did that months ago, but we are back off the break. It is now March. And unfortunately, it's Steven Seagal month. Something I've been telling myself I have to do. I don't know why I put myself in these precarious situations. Maybe it's because I do it to other people. And so I kind of have to make myself suffer just to balance the world. And a gentleman I brought in is perfect for the first episode of Steven Seagal Month. I brought him in because he has a MMA podcast and he has a theater podcast, which I don't know where that ties in, but I figure I may as well make a mention. Uh, you heard him before on the Blood and Bone episode. Juice Jackson, welcome, sir. How you doing? Great to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. How's it, how's it been going? How, how are you surviving? Uh, barely, just like uh, all of us are. I oh, mean, yes. Oh. 2021 feels like just like a bad sequel to 2020. We're it just does. in the and, same and, fucking shit. And it, fe- and it feels like when, do you know how they do a, re- a, a really terrible movie and then some reason the sequel gets worse? Yep. Or maybe... And this is my hope that the sequel is an okay movie, but in comparison to the the previous movie, it's a great movie. You often you often get that. There's movies I watch called Giver. The first movie is trash, and then the second one is borderline okay, but in comparison, watching it back to back, it's amazing. <laughs> so that reminds me a bit of uh, Toxic Avenger. Yes. Oh God, God, that that might be one one down the line. Did you know the remake in that? Are they really? I know they have a musical of it, which I've heard some of the songs from. Just to tie it back to my other. Yeah, podcast. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you know there was a nineties uh, cartoon of Toxic Avenger? I think I did know that. I just haven't seen much of it, but oh. I I have seen like cartoon stills and stuff of it. Yeah, they changed it to Toxic Crusader because apparently Avenger was too violent as is the 90s and then they pretty much stripped it completely and just made it like this kiddie show so much so that i actually had some of the action figures and they stunk for some reason (laughs) whatever they did with them i think they wanted to go for the the radioactive style but they just made them stink really badly with like this weird smelling plastic oh oh, they literally stunk like they stunk as in (laughs) smell as in smell (laughs) so oh man yeah So apparently, Peter Dinklage is going to play Toxie. <laughs> Gentlemen, you yeah. had my interest, but now you have my attention. Yeah, Peter D- I was like, you know what? That's crazy enough to work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Peter Dinklage, say what you will about him. He's an actor first. He's a he's a phenomenal actor. Oh, he is. And, That's why he's so uh, good. <laughs> that, that, that that is the best thing I've heard today. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. Have you ever seen heard of the movie Tiptoes? Uh, don't think I have. So it's a movie about a tall guy, Matthew McConaughey, and his whole family are little people, including his brother, who is played by Gary Oldman on his knees. And one of the actors in it is a pre Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage. I have seen some of his uh, pre-Game of Thrones stuff. I think the station agent. Yeah, I saw, mistaken. I saw him in Nip Tuck. 
he, yes. he, he is uh, the... And of course, Elf. Yes, of course. And the thing I like... The thing I like about him is he, he brings it so much that you overlook it. You're like, oh, it's just Peter Dinklage. He's kind of managed to transcend being a small actor. Like, especially with X-Men when he was in Days of Futures Past. Like, that was yeah. a, re- a regular character, but he managed to make it work and still have... It, it wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't adding 100%. it. 100%. Just because we want Peter Dinklage, he, he brings it and he's good enough for the role. And yeah. I'm excited to see what they do with uh, Toxic Avenger. I really don't hope that they make him small and then they make him tall when he goes into the toxic waste. Yeah, that would be that. That's the way to go. Yeah. Or do they do the opposite? Do they get like a really dweeby oh. guy? And then when he gets dumped in, he comes out as Peter Dinklage <laughs> and he's super strong. <laughs> so. I'm actually wondering who who is writing this. Oh, it's by Legendary. That's so. a good start. I mean, maybe not, but they seem like the right people to do yeah, it. Yeah, apparently they mentioned Deadpool, which is a good. And it's by the guy. Oh, okay. It's by uh, Macon Blair, who did The Green Room. Oh, okay. And Blue Ruin, Hold the Dark, I Don't Feel at Home. So he's a really good dark director. So that's wow. kind of brought me up even higher now. Fucking A. Yeah. So the green, uh, that's the, the green was the one that Anton Yelchin, yeah. Anton Yelchin, uh, yeah, okay. Patrick Stewart. So Great. yeah. The the the, uh, the part where they're in the middle of the Nazi bar and they're singing Nazi punks fuck off is one of my favorite scenes in a movie. It's yeah, it's chef's kiss. Chef's kiss, just amazing, just because it's like we don't give a fuck. And and then when Patrick Stewart in that movie, I've always wanted to see him play a baddie and he really manages to like grab it in this movie because you just see him constantly calm until the end where, and it's pretty much what happens. Like these types of people, they're all nice and friendly. And then when, when he's pushed against a wall, he, his true face appears. So it's really good that he managed to show that off. Yeah. So now before we get into Steven Seagal, unfortunately. Uh, what have you watched recently? So I have just been binging a lot of TV shows as we do in this uh, post-lockdown era. Uh, my wife and I have been um, re-watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy. Um, but then I was I was telling you uh, off, off uh, mic as well. I, I Because of my new theater podcast, Breaking the Fourth Wall, quick shameless plug, um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of documentaries that pertain to the shows I'm covering. So uh, I did an episode on hair. So I, I watched a documentary, which I highly recommend if anyone's even like vaguely interested in that. Uh, it's called Hair Let the Sunshine In because it tells about the story that um, uh, how they made the show and it became this like political art piece that was really bigger than just like a random musical on Broadway. So there's a lot of cool stuff. And they talk about like the whole hippie movement and like the like how drugs were part of it, like free sex and things like that. So um, that was very, very interesting. And then I watched a documentary on uh, uh, Come, uh, Come From Away, the, the musical. Yes, which, as I mentioned, is based on Nova Scotia lifestyle and such. And funny enough, my other half was referred to as a Come From Away by her own brother, which kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've never seen Hairspray. Like I told you my aversion to musicals. Right. They kind of have to have a bit of a gimmick for it for me to enjoy. 
Uh, I've only seen one musical in my like two musicals in my lifetime, and they both mo- and they both have a gimmick to it to kind of make it work. So I watched Evil Dead the musical, yes, which has people throwing blood into the crowd. So right. it was me front and center of a, a white shirt, getting ready to get murdered. And then <laughs> the next one was Avenue Q. Perfect. So yeah. It's too great. I really enjoyed Avenue Q. It was really good. And probably if if I do get the chance, I'll probably check out Book of Mormon if if it shows up in my town. You absolutely will love Book of Mormon. Um I I'm, I'm assuming you watched like at least some South Park. All the um, South Park. I've watched all their movies, Orgasmo, Basketball, yes. Team America. Orgasmo is phenomenal. Um, I was going to say the writer, one of the writers in Avenue Q wrote, co-wrote the music for Book of Mormon. So oh, that'll be like, the, yeah. So it's a match made in heaven for me. Yeah. And uh, do, when you're doing your podcast, do you also try and watch the movie as well? Or do you just watch the behind the scenes stuff just to kind of get a idea of what, what, what went into the musical? It depends. So most of the time I'll try and find at least a bootleg performance if I haven't seen it. Like I, I did my first episode on a show called Hades Town, which is based off the Greek myth, like Orpheus and Eurydice. Okay. And uh, I obviously knew that story. And like, so I'm f- familiar with the source material and it's a sung through musical. So listening to the soundtrack is kind of like an audio book for the show. Like there's not a lot of, there's no other dialogue that goes in there. But there's still a lot of nuance that's missed if you don't watch it. And I found the performance and I was so glad that I did because it really changed the whole like feeling of it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll usually try and watch it. But a lot of the, a lot of the ones I cover, I have seen or done um, and I'll try and switch it up. It's not just musicals. So I'll, I'll do like a musical episode and I'll do a straight play. Yeah. Just kind of do it. And I'll get some of my actor friends to to like read scenes with me, which is fun. So oh, that's pretty sweet. I have fun with it. Yeah. And hmm. Yeah, I, I I have no idea about theater if I'm honest. So that's just fine. Be, just Not be, many people do. Yeah, but it's it's I've no I've never heard of a theater podcast. So this is a very new avenue for me to to maybe look into. And uh, is there any like big ones that you know of in the the theater world of podcasting, or are you like a premier podcast? Uh, well, actually, yeah, it, it, I've kind of stumbled upon it as well. So I didn't really know a lot either. Yeah. Um, but through kind of connecting with friends, I've, I've found a couple. Um, one, one that I think you might be interested in is called uh, My Favorite Flop. So there's some, someone I went to school with does it and they, they cover flops on Broadway that either like closed after like 10 performances or like didn't recoup all their money and things that were like not a financial success. I think they have a set criteria. Like it has to be like less than 200 performances and, or it doesn't, uh, it didn't uh, make any financial gain or whatever. So like they just, they just did a musical or did an episode rather covering a musical called taboo, which I never heard of. It's a loosely based on the life of boy George. Okay. Um, And it actually premiered uh, on the West end in London and uh, it uh, featured a young Luke Evans. Oh, okay, <laughs> nice. So, so they 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 kind of do little fun tidbits like that that I really enjoy, and that I think you would like. But other than that, there isn't like a bunch of like well-known ones. Yeah, like the number one. And funny enough, you actually just reminded me of. I remember f- for a time, Warhorse was playing as a yes, and I remember asking Phenomenal my. Play. 
I remember asking my friend, is there an actual horse on stage? And they said no. And I went, I do not want to see this. Just because I would love to see them try and like justify having a horse on stage and trying to manage it. I know it's just me wanting to watch the world burn, seeing them trying to figure out how to work this horse without it just shitting everywhere. I know it's just, like I said, love to see the world burn and just watch this horse shit everywhere where they're trying to act, especially someone sliding into some shit and stuff like that. You're you're reminding me of a play I saw in LA. So Warhorse, I believe they use a mechanical horse, which okay. is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, I saw a Sam Shepard play in LA where I'm from, and uh, I forget the name of this play, but they had an actual sheep on stage. Oh no! <laughs> and and they had like a little pen set up for it, and it was on the hay. It was just so there really wasn't much of a point to it other than realism like you could have feasibly had like a stuffed sheep like obviously the sheep doesn't have lines yeah like whatever and they could have maybe played sheep sounds over the loudspeaker like low budget could have made this work however they got this sheep and the sheep that they used this is like a sheep that has been in movies and stuff like i want to say it was like in babe or something like it's just like a sheep that is used to performing whatever however i'm watching it and and i went because my friend was like the stage manager or something uh at one point the the sheep is just pooping on the audience just kind of like like little little pellets coming out i was like oh no (laughs) that's exactly what i want to see or they go the opposite way and it's two dudes in a horse costume yeah right you know i i either it's going to be very good or i want it to be just soul crushingly bad and speaking of soul crushingly bad <laughs> we watched segue. we watched a the work of steven seagal and before we get into that said work let's talk about the man himself because this is the first week of seagal month i might include some bullshit uh little stinger after that probably not might be lazy who cares (laughs) but so steven seagal the man the myth the legend apparently in his own head yeah what are your thoughts on the on the man as a mma podcast expert as well so it's very interesting to get your take so i'm kind of from like martial arts were in my family growing up my dad has a black belt in taekwondo um I did uh, karate when I was young and obviously I'm, I'm very into MMA now in my, yeah. my later years, Steven Seagal, like he, he's such an icon, but he also does something that I feel like is kind of toxic in like MMA, MMA and um, well, m- mostly martial arts in general, let's say MMA, but where there's like this holier than thou thing. Like I remember watching an interview of, of Steven Seagal one time and they were asking him what he felt about like, like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chuck Norris. And he was like, these aren't real tough guys. These aren't real. So just kind of talking down them. And I was just like, oh, fucking crime river. Like you got beat up by a light man on one of your sets. Like yeah, exactly. the, the, the martial art that he's uh, an expert in. Yeah, uh, black belt in Aikido is not like this, like world beating type thing. Like, what it's very situational, right? Exactly. When the UFC was was founded in in 1993, when they were trying to figure out like what styles were the most effective, and they brought a jiu-jitsu guy and a, and a boxer guy and a muay thai and a wrestler, they never fucking bought an Aikido guy. They didn't <laughs> so even they thought about it. Like, 
they, they were like, hey, do you want to get some for my keto? And they're like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy got fired promptly. <laughs> yeah, promptly. <laughs> got thrown out the window going, fuck out of here with my keto. You're on about. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, you mentioned him getting beaten up on set. So the big thing was that he was very nasty with his fellow stunt people, like kicking them way too hard, hurting people intentionally. And so there was three names, Kane Hodder, I forgot the second guy, and Gene LaBelle. Kane Hodder is famous for being Jason Voorhees. So you're pissing off Jason. And then second one, Gene LaBelle is a former pro wrestler, He's a stuntman, and he's also big in the judo world. So big, in fact, that he actually cornered Ronda Rousey quite a bit in a time. And so he says, hey, you think you're a tough guy? They had a bit of back and forth. And he says, okay, how about we do a bet? I can choke you out. And he's like, you can't choke me out. This is Steven Seagal saying, you can't choke me out. Gene turns goes behind him, chokes him out, and then Steven Seagal promptly shits himself. And that is the best Steven Seagal story I've ever heard. Do you know the version of that story that I've heard? Uh, let's let's hear it. So go, go, going back to Ronda Rousey for a second, I heard that uh, Jean LaBelle was her uncle. I don't know if that's a literal term or if it's like, you know, like he was friends with her mom. Like, oh, that's Uncle Gene. Like that old guy that that's friends with the exactly mom. yes right like they, they they were close so it wasn't like sort of just whatever you like, he was a judo player gene labelle um taught bruce lee how to grapple a bit mm, yes and um the story i only heard on the joe rogan podcast joe rogan was was selling it and apparently they, they had this thing where steven was like i have a move that will prevent me from getting choked out of it i have a, that was I have a technique and gene labelle was like okay yeah, let's do it. And he got he puts him in a naked choke, and Steven Seagal <laughs> hits him in the nuts. He reaches back and just slams Gene in the nuts. But yeah. he has a dominant position. Yeah, like he's gonna keep that position, yeah. and he put him to sleep. And that's when he he shit himself. <laughs> exactly. Like, Boss Rudin told a similar story where he was teaching a seminar and he was uh, doing a rear naked choke and someone was like, oh, well, I would just reach back and, and poke him in the eye. He goes, okay, let's try it. And he, <laughs> he puts the person in the, in the choke and he says, okay, on the count of three, you're going to poke me in the eye. And if, or if you do poke me in the eye, I'm going to break your fucking neck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it, I, I, it's just like, I know Steven Seagal is a legit Aikido fighter. But you do have these bullshit con artists who try and get away with shit. And he's he's not the worst because at least he has the background and everything like that. But I think his ego has gone to him so much that he's just doing all this random bullshit. And I'm going to talk about something in this movie that nearly made me punch my TV. If you know yeah. what I mean. And yeah, and apparently Steven Scout is one of the biggest pieces of shits going as well the amount of sexual harassment suits that have come his way. And he is just, I'm looking right now and it's just a laundry list. Like if you, if you check out his Wikipedia, it's just 2010 lawsuit, 2011, 2017, 2018, 2020 conflicts with stuntmen. It's just, it just keeps going. And I think he's only had two good movies, maybe three. Yeah. Without knowing that for certain, 
just hearing it, if you had said like, do you think Steven Seagal has a bunch of harassment cases against him? I would have said, yes, undoubtedly. Yeah. Just, do, just, just the way guy. he looks. Just, just the way he looks. The way he carries himself, the way he acts in interviews, like he's he's that kind of shitty guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of shitty, like the whole SNL thing, he's been voted the worst uh, guest host ever. I believe by, that by the cast, the crew, and fans alike. Even Lorne Michaels, apparently Nick Cage was on one time. I'm sorry, I don't want to seem like an asshole during a monologue. And Lorne Michaels shows up because. At least you're not Steven Seagal. <laughs> so just like really laid into him. Like, I think that's why his career is just straight to DVD now because no one wants to work with him unless they can't understand him properly. Right. Like, you know, so let's get into cartels. How did you watch this, by the way? Uh, I watched it on uh, on Redbox. I, okay. just, I just searched my Roku, and that was one of the things. I was like, oh, yeah, just just watch it uh, on Redbox. Yeah, I, so, I found this on Netflix. Really? Yes. It wasn't on Netflix for, for me. Yeah, well, me being in Canada, you being in the U.S. is a difference. You guys made the right decision not having it on your Netflix. That's why we <laughs> yeah. often call uh, American Netflix a superior Netflix. So there we go. So, and what was the title of this movie for you? I was just going to say, for me, it was Cartels, but originally I think it was, it's Killing Salazar yes. is the main title. Yes. When I, when I looked it up, it was, it was, it's Cartels for me, I think here in America. Yeah. It's Cartels. I think Killing Salazar is like a subtitle slash working title kind of situation. So uh, we're just going to ju- so this was di- directed by Keone Waxman, who is quite a, he works with Steven Seagal a lot. And Steven Seagal apparently has referred to him as a genius. I, I think he, oh, here we go. I think that Keone is one of the brightest young men out there, says Seagal. I think he's a very good director. I think he has a wonderful story in mind, which is very important. In other words, he doesn't have to film what's on the page. He understands what's on the page. I think he's a wonderful director who understands editing, lubing, dupsing, mixing, foley. He just understands all of that stuff. He's a great friend. Very ethical and very moral. Uh, <laughs> translation, here's a guy who lets me do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and will cast women just to sit next to me because she has big boobs. Right, exactly. And let's start with the opening scene. Did you have subtitles on this? I didn't. I did. I had to. Because every time Steven Seagal spoke in this movie, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Maybe I'm just fluent in Steven Seagal. Just kind maybe, of coming from that. Maybe. But I, I remember when I was a kid, we had a DVD of one of his movies, Glimmer Man. I think oh, that's God. one of, with Damon Wayans. <laughs> and that is a terrible movie, but I had sort of a fondness for it. Like there's a scene where they're giving him a polygraph test. And, you, and when you give a polygraph, you have to ask a question as like a, a barometer or whatever. And so they ask him a, a, one question that he's supposed to tell the truth and one where he's supposed to tell the lie. And they ask if he's ever climbed Everest. And he just goes, yes. And it's just very like Zen. <laughs> and yeah. They all look at each other like, what the fuck? But it says that he was telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, like I said, his whole character in this, it, I, I started calling him in my notes, Deus Ex Seagal. Because you know when he shows up, shit gets solved. Right. And here's the thing. Top villain, 
and he's only in it for 15 minutes. Right. I mean, I think GSP had more screen time than him. And yeah. certainly much better fight scenes. Oh, oh, goddamn. Well, it's because it didn't require too much editing. Right. Because the editing in this movie, like, I like how he says he, he loves his editing. and that. It's because it makes him look good in a way. Because it reminds me of Taken Free when you see Liam Neeson climb over the fence and there's 18 shots so that you can hide the fact that it's not Liam Neeson climbing the fence. Right. And... So you see it, him walking up, and even when he's not like doing anything strenuous, like shooting, it's cutting down to below his feet. It's cut. It's cutting around him. It's cutting around like a, seventeen shots in one minute. I counted, just to get away from the fact that Steven Seagal is not the person in the shot. Yeah, can we just talk about how like convoluted this storyline is? Oh, like it is. To talk like you, when you said like how about this opening scene like they're at uh, like an interrogation room or a confession room or whatever yeah. trying to get his story the main character that is and Stephen Skull's like grilling him and they have this camera but then they cut to like what like kind of sort of the plot or whatever and then but Stephen Skull's part of it even though he's asking about it and yeah. like at the end at some point he goes, or at some point like maybe not the end but like in the middle he they, they cut back to that room with the interrogation and he's like uh i'm the guy that shows up when things have to get fixed i'm the guy that yeah is is here wrecking you but then like you were there like you get like uh, i think the better idea would have been that opening scene with him taking salazar and then it should have been a few days later and then it's the old interrogation but instead it starts with the interrogation then shows that scene and then just keeps bouncing around right because it's a whole like it's like a non-linear plot like it it doesn't go in one fluid like timeline you keep cutting back and and they kind of intercut that interrogation scene kind of throughout but even what's in between isn't in the same thing so it's like what is actually happening here? Like I couldn't for, for the longest time. I, I, I thought maybe GSP was a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this was pretty much a dollar store. Usual suspects. With, <laughs> with the way that, you know, with the whole gut interviewing the guy and, that, and then it took, and then you got the whole twist with showing all the, all the reactions and how it happened. I'm like, okay, all right. Someone was watching their you, Kevin Spacey DVDs before they got to, Right. Uh, this set because it went, you know, had to deal with Steven Seagal apparently. So, but yeah, and so let's talk about the main character, which is not Steven Seagal. Let's talk about uh, Luke Goss. Uh, do you know who Luke Goss is? I'm vaguely familiar with him. I remember thinking, like, I know this guy. I've seen him in at least a few things, and I didn't uh, look it up to 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 know which. I usually do that. I'm kind of yeah. obsessed about it, but. No problem. So Luke Goss is a former pop star in England for a band called Bros. Uh, with their main song being When Will I Be Famous? Love that. And so, and then he went in, uh, it was him and his twin brother. His twin brother did his own thing as a producer and Luke got into acting. And his two major roles are the main villain in Blade 2. Yes. And the main villain in Hellboy 2. Okay. Two movies by Guillermo del Toro. That's all you need to know. He's really good. And and honestly, he's not bad in this either. 
Yeah, he's kind of the, I won't say the saving grace because there's no saving this movie. No, the, but between him and GSP, uh, holding probably it the best parts. Yeah, they're exactly. holding it up. And just his whole character, just the way they introduce him. He He's assigned to this unit and they orderly hate him for no reason. He's like, I've been posted here at nine o'clock. Like, that's not all my time. Like, why, why did you tell me then? You gave me and right. shit that it turns out because his dad used to boss him around. He's, he's deciding to be an asshole, just that fucking circle of death, apparently. And right. I do like, I also enjoy some of the fights he had. The, the, the fight that he had with the DA, EA agent was pretty good because it was just throwing each other around. And here's the thing. That was being cut in with GSP versus Steven Seagal. And that was a better fight. Right. Can you imagine saying that to somebody like a pop star in the 80s had a better fight scene than Steven Seagal? It, it, it almost like the way we've sort of been talking about him, it kind of makes sense, especially. See, here's the difference for me. Like Steven Seagal's early stuff, he was not really athletic, but he was more quick and young and he could do the throws and things like that. He was noticeably slow in this movie. And like you said, didn't get a lot of screen time. Like the one, the fight with GSP, GSP just did uh, like three or four fight scenes before that, where he's going full speed. Yeah. Like beautiful technique. He even landed at one point. I don't know if you're familiar, like his, his sort of signature sig- uh, Superman punch, kind of a lunging. He's known for that. It was like fi- it was like fighting my sister at, the, at fighting games, where they're just spamming the same move over and over again. That was yeah. GSP in this whole movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> so and then they, the 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 fight scene with GSP and and Seagal, it was slower. Like <laughs> I did not believe that the guy that was doing all the other shit was was the same guy that was fighting Seagal. Like he was toned down for that. It's also the scene when he's going up the stairs to meet with GSP. He looks like he's gonna die. <laughs> because it's once about he, taking three like all those different cuts he's taking up a stair uh like he's climbing the stairs and his face is just pouring with sweat and there's no bit where he kind of goes around and he's gripping onto the pole for dear life because he's gonna fall over like i would say poor steven seagal but fuck him right <laughs> and speaking zero of, pity speaking of fuck every time he says lines his use of swears is like a 14 year old trying to get into the club. He's putting, <laughs> he's putting fucking every single in between. There's enough space. I'm going to say fuck. Right. You know, you know what? Um, I noticed and, and it did, took you saying that to remind me. Yeah. I was thinking doing a lot of his scenes, especially the interrogation ones. I was like, are they just letting him improv? <laughs> this does not sound scripted. Like Luke Goss sounded sounded scripted there so there is a script it has to be yeah um but he was just like like he was making a reference he was saying about how i can't i can't even remember he he was he was trying to make like a, a cliche or an idiom and and he completely misrepresented it it was so bad so like that quote that he said about the director having like he doesn't have to feel what's he doesn't have to film what's on the page. He understands what's on the page. It's because exactly. the reason why he says that is because he just lets him say whatever. Let's him go off it. the page. Yeah. Yep. Gary, there we go. I was actually just thinking, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. That makes sense. And why everything here and the editing is because 
he can edit it to make him look good. The dubbing is because he didn't have to be on set. He just gets someone there and he just uh, dubbed the line while he's on the couch eating, eating ice cream. So there we go. This is why he, he's his favorite director because he lets him get away with a ton of dumb shit. And what do you, we're not going to like fully talk about the movie, like all the plots. We're just going right. to, we're just going to pick apart all the dumb shit. Perfect. So the big twist at the end is that the love interest is the little sister of the main villain or like the, would you say he's the main villain? I would say GSP was the main villain. GSP gets more screen time, but even his storyline is how he's trying to fuck over Salazar. So yeah, it sort of becomes a situation where like the enemy of my, my enemy is my friend and they sort of have this thing, but I feel like, especially the movie is called Killing Salazar. Like, I think he is the main villain, and, and and the whole the fact that that twist even is is like important is is because he's the main villain. Like, that was another thing that pissed me off too. And like, I uh, I'm I sort of come from a military family. Not really. Like my my grandpa was in the navy, yeah. and then I did ROTC in high school. So I'm kind of familiar with a little bit. I know just enough to like know what looks bad, but not to know my whole thing is if I were to like be a consultant or whatever, like a, yeah. whatever, but there, the like military scenes in this movie were not that fucking good to me. Like the, no. the way he showed up and the whole thing you talked about was, was kind of mismanaged, but more specifically the scene where he saves her, the love interest and picks her up and is like, okay, we got to go. And then she like kisses him. Kisses him, just like wait, hold on, and kisses him. It's like, bro, we gotta go. Like, yeah. th- there's fucking bad guys here or whatever. You know, I, they I, wouldn't I, have that mindset. I was kind of calling that she was either the rat or she had a relation to Salazar, because there were so many lingering shots that they, instead of just doing it qu- uh, quickly and briefly, they lingered on that shit. For, so when you see her looking at the paper with Salazar dead. And the look she keeps giving when when he's alive, what was it, what was originally intended? Like if they cut that in half, would have worked, but because they had to make time up, they they just put the extended stuff and then put it at the end as well. And I was expecting during the kiss scene for her to like kind of maybe stab him in the gut or something, because that's kind of the move that would happen. And then there's a bit where he's got his arm around her neck, and they constantly focus on her face, and she's like kind of like. Oh, my brother's hugging me. And it's, it's so odd, the choices that they made, because I think they're trying to be smart and do the sore ending. But then they kept all the lingering shots so that, oh, there's a clue right there, rather than being smart and cutting it in half. Right. And speaking of like choices that didn't make sense, they set up this backstory for Salazar, like the, the the title cards at the at the beginning, where they're sort of like doing like a backstory, saying how he's half, I think Mexican. They said and half yeah. Russian, and I'm very I'm fascinated by dialects and accents. Like that was my focus in in college and, and yeah. when I went to got my acting degree, and so I'm fascinated by the sounds that that would make, and I don't feel like the actor did a good job of doing that number one, mm. but I, was, I think it's also because the writing and the directing didn't really lend itself to that because like there's several times in the movie where he's speaking Russian or quoting Russian proverbs or whatever. And there's nothing Spanish about this man at all. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing in there. And I looked like the actor is Romanian. Yeah, exactly. 
I, I swear they just called him Salazar. Right. They just wanted uh, the name. Just so they got a cool name there. Right. They were like, wouldn't it be cool if he was Russian? But let's name him Salazar because it's a cool name. So maybe we'll say he's half Hispanic. Yeah. And then like, well, since he's Salazar, let's call it the uh, the cartels. Is it cartels in Romania? Because this is where it's based. Yeah. This whole movie is based. Actually, let's see. Cartel. We're Googling it right now. Cartels Romania. And the other thing with like languages and things like that is I, th- I couldn't tell if GSP was speaking French the whole time or if there was a part where he was trying to speak Russian. Because- uh, that, that's what was good about the subtitles. He speaks French and Russian. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was kind of confusing because I wasn't sure if like they tried to make it a thing and then maybe during filming they were like, you know what, just just do your French like you're it's it'll just like cool foreign bad guy because like he's definitely speaking French for a lot of it because the woman speaks French with him. Yeah, and but, that and that was his wife or like sister or something. There's definitely like a I relationship <laughs> there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of funny because when you first see him and you see those sunglasses on, when you play video games and you put sunglasses on your character and they don't fit right because of graphical problems, it looks just like that. Yeah. It looks like a creative fighter where you put your glasses on and they don't fit to, to your model's face. And Probably because of uh, maybe he has like cauliflower ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it's just they're a cheap pair of sunglasses, like dollar store sunglasses, and they're just like on the top of his head nearly. Yeah, and let's talk about when he gets to the hotel. I really like the look of his gang, like the 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 foot the soccer football style track jackets and stuff like that. But then they had to ruin it because they got like eBay level masks, (laughs) not some cool where they all match. They're all different. Like they just went to a Chinese eBay seller and grabbed as much as they could. And speaking of Chinese eBay seller, what are these marshals wearing? <laughs> it looks like they just found the cheapest knockoff shit they could find at like a bulk price because all this shit looks trash. Yeah, the budget for this movie was not no. You know, they spent all their budget on Steven Seagal. <laughs> Pretty much for the for the whole 15 minutes and gave him like top, top billing. billing. God damn. And just in general, this this movie's a mess. It, it ha- I was also thinking, would a alternate title for this be Dead Check? <laughs> because it's not bad. They mentioned it like five or six times, and it would have matched to the uh, the title because it's about a guy who's died who died, and they didn't dead dead check him. Right. So we have that, and let's talk about GSP's fights. Let's do- let's start with the beginning. Where he's fighting, what when Salazar is about to be taken, and he's beating the shit out of everybody. That's probably the crispest camera work I've seen, because it's just yeah. there's not it's not shaking or anything like that. It's just boom, 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 boom. Looks good. He's spamming the shit out of that Superman punches he usually does. Uh, what did you think? Uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about. I so he's one of my favorite fighters. I think GSP is phenomenal. And it's it's one of those things where in, in, in MMA, 
people like to debate like who's the goat who's the greatest of all time mm. and it's not something i like to do but if i like if you gun to my head you have to put it's like it's gsp like he's my personal pick for for the greatest of all time and there's a lot of people's as well and so seeing him in there was funny because the other one of the other people that's in that conversation is anderson silva steven seagal at one point trained with anderson silva sort of vaguely yeah. and sort of took credit for like teaching him this front kick that he knocked out vitor belfort with and apparently and apparently also Lyoto Machida kind of uh, praises Steven Seagal as his trainer as well. Oh, does he? That makes sense. I mean, he's it, a karate guy. Yeah, he's actually outright said that Steven Seagal helped him. And when he knocked out Randy Couture with a front kick, he credited okay. uh, Steven Seagal. And so, so I, the front kick. Yeah. So I'm uh, sorry to interrupt you on that one because I actually want to bring up why GSP is, is in this movie. GSP did not get paid for this movie. What he did not get paid for this movie, according to IMDb. So, grain of salt as usual. George St. Pierre was not paid to be in this movie with money in exchange for his performance. GSP wanted Steven Seagal to teach him the same secret front kick that Steven taught to Anderson Silva. I don't know, man. I need, I need a source on that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> hey, I can't pay you, but you know that Anderson Silver kick? I'll show you that too. <laughs> well, if you can teach Steven, if you can get Steven to teach me the kick, I will do it. I'm going I'm to see if I can find some other sources. GSP. It's just so fitting. Yeah. But one of the things I loved about it was the just him being in this movie was the fact that like for years people were talking about a fight between GSP and Anderson Silva. Like that's the fight to make. It's a super fight. It's a big fight. And the fact that he's GSP's in this movie with Steven Seagal as a kind of a link to that yeah. is really interesting to me. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And I actually want to kind of talk about his uh, movie roles that he's been in. So this one is his second to last. And mm -hmm. before that, he did Kickboxer Vengeance with John claude Van Damme. And then Captain America Warner Soldier, yeah? Yes. And he's actually going to return for the TV show. Yes. He's, the uh, Falcon. Uh... Uh, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And honestly, my favorite is probably his uh, role in Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. Because it was perfectly aligned with his with who he is. He had a great fight scene. It was adequately shot. He managed to get enough uh, hits in. To not be a complete buffoon and with that let's get into his fight with steven seagal i counted one punch that he hit which was the superman punch everything else was counted yeah and, and that's sort of like the aikido style is like use your opponent's uh movement against them use their uh their momentum against them and so a lot of steven skull's stuff is like parrying and like moving your like things around but again it was like gsp had to slow down and so you know of, of course they're gonna you know make uh, steven seagal look good yes and my f favorite shot from that is when they jump over the balcony and they linger on for too much and you can tell it's not steven seagal the fact that he's a lot thinner his face is completely changed and just it gets worse as it goes on I'm like holy shit yeah. And even so, like, there's even scenes where it's behind Steven Seagal 
and it's definitely that same stunt guy doing the stuff. Like he's so slow and uncoordinated, you have to get it for like the easy shots. It's so he's sort of become like a caricature of himself. Steven Seagal has like yes. he's no longer the guy. Like if you think about the Steven Seagal, that like the scene in Step Brothers when they they have like ice packs on their heads and they're just what they're watching a Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> that guy's like svelte. He's like got like blood coming out of his nose. Like it's a fucking great scene. It's like one of the classic Seagal movies, but this one is just sad. Like just don't do movies anymore. Yeah. You know what would save Seagal's career is if he were to do like a like a romantic comedy <laughs> or some sort of comedy like a buddy cop movie or whatever, where he's like this like grizzled veteran and he's like charging this guy, but there's like he's like the straight man and all the jokes. That the, is the kind of thing he should do. He should do that. The issue is he he takes himself so seriously that he refuses to like at least with John Claude yeah, Van Damme, right? He's managed to like subvert that when he did JCVD, where he pretty yeah. much plays himself, and it's really m- mocking how he, how he is, and like his cocaine problem, and that he's not really a badass. He just plays one on in movies and stuff like that, and it actually works. Whereas Steven Seagal cannot do that. The only time he did something funny was for the Onion movie. Yes, where I remember that. Where he's cock puncher. Yeah, cock puncher. That was gold. Yeah. You need to do more of that. Yeah, where it's just him. Just, just All he could do is just come in, save the day. Thank you, Steven Skull. Thumbs up, leaves. That's it. Just flip somebody, leaves. That, that should it. be his uh, shit. The thing is, he takes himself so seriously that he can't even get past that. And he's constantly picking fights with MMA fighters. Like, 2012, Steven Seagal says GSP is not a great fighter. And this is like prime GSP. Yeah. And so uh, back to you talking about the greatest of all time. I would say definitely GSP because he has a perfect record. Sort of. Well, he's lost two, but he's avenged the most. Yeah. So uh, like my, my opinion in boxing, the greatest of all time is Lennox Lewis. And then it's Lewis as avenged all of his losses as well. So it's kind of in line with that in my greatest all time thinking because, you know, he's not been best. Even when he has been best, he's come back and avenged the loss. So that's where I think with GSP. And the fact that he stopped fighting in 2013 and came back in 2017 and beat Michael Bisping for the, for the title, that that's proof positive that he is and he can come back and still be a dominant force. I was in the arena for that. Cause I was a MSG Madison square garden uh, about an hour from where I live in Jersey. Yeah. That arena was electric electric and uh, yeah. Very inspiring. I mean, in 2013, he had this really tough fight with Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. Where it was a split decision uh, he ended up getting the nod, but a lot of people thought he lost. And then on the mic, he said, I'm going to step away for a little bit. I'm basically going to retire. And yeah. it was kind of this weird thing that had a press conference and he like relinquished the belt. So then four years later, you're right. He comes back. He's like, I want to come back. I want to fight Michael Bisping for the title. And mm-hmm. they made this whole thing. And that honestly, like he, he must have filmed killing Salazar right before that. Yeah. 
it's around mm. the same time. So maybe working with Steven Seagal, I was like, oh shit, I gotta go back to UFC. This can't be the last thing on my legacy. I've got to, I've got to go. One hundred percent. Yeah, it was like the best version of GSP too, in my opinion, because he was like focused on finishing. And there's this <laughs> wonderful moment in the press conference where Michael Bisping is doing his thing, trying to get them all riled up. Yeah, like you're scared, You left. You're scared. And then GSP like smiles. He's like, "You don't scare me, Michael. Not even one bit." <laughs> Uh, I, I love that, especially when he's yelling at me, you're intoxicated. <laughs> yeah, are you intoxicated? Because he literally, I mean, he, he drank the night before and was still oh, yeah. hungover such drunk. And he's like, yeah. are you intoxicated? I, I love it that Dana's trying to get control, saying, hey, don't be late again. And Biz was like, yeah, sure, chief. Puts the beer down, puts the belt down, sits down. So I was trying to put like a, a bandana yeah. on his head. Exactly. Just, that's like peak Bisping as well, because he, he took like a little piece of tape or whatever. He's like, this is your fans, George. <laughs> he puts the like, bandana on his head. Oh, I, oh God. I love, I love Bisping. Like ever, I used to hate him, even though I'm English, I used to hate him. But then there was just that turn. And it's the Luke Rockhold turn. As, as soon as that Luke Rockhold, I was like, holy shit, he rules. Right, and then he managed to get the back the Hendo fight, lost to GSP, and then was it Yair Rodriguez that he lost to on his last Calvin. one? Yeah, Calvin Gaslam. That's it. He yeah. he had a bit of a, a sad career. I I started uh, really becoming a hardcore fan the time he fought Anderson Silva. Uh, Bisping did, and yeah. that's still my favorite fight of all time. And then. Right as soon as that fight was done, I was like, this guy needs a title shot. Like he's he's getting older, like he's put together these nice wins. He just beat the goat. Like he needs to get his title shot. He ends up not getting booked for one, but then he stepped on 12 days notice. Yeah. He was filming Triple X in Toronto and got a call to, to fight Luke Rockhold, knocks him out. Yeah. I was in the arena for that as well. Oh man. That that like if they make a movie based on Michael Bisping. That's how the movie should end. It should end with him knocking out Luke Rockhold and celebrating. And then yep. And then the credit should just be that him just yelling at Rock, Luke Rockhold during the press conference afterwards. <laughs> you know you are, buddy. <laughs> just really <laughs> fucking with him the entire time. Luke's like salty as shit. He, he Luke, in my opinion, deserves everything he got. Like yep, he's, 100%. He's, he's done. He's done. But his arrogance got the better of him. He's a good fighter, but he's uh he he doesn't listen to anybody. And he, he still he still falls for that uh overhand right that KOs him all the time. That and he he really played himself in that movie, that the cage fighter movie that just came out. I don't know oh if god, that, yet. that might be a future episode. <laughs> so let's uh finish up killing Salazar. So the romantic subplot was god awful. Uh, let's before we go, before I give my rating, the bellboy. I was gonna say, I, I, I literally was just about to say this. I was like, we have to talk about him. One of my favorite characters in the movie, like this guy who's just always out of the deck smoking a joint, <laughs> and then the way he like does his lines. Yeah, it's like he's just reading off a cue card. There's no emoting. There's no nothing. It's just they pay me. I I don't know what to do. I need to smoke my weed. I'm just chilling. Just let me leave. I gotta go. You know what I mean? Just oh man. And then the reveal that he's the rat. That he's the one. I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. And then I did like where he's like, you could have just asked me who was 
signing my checks. I'm like, would you? Would you though? If yeah. I said, I, hey, is it Salazar paying your checks? I'm like, no. <laughs> you yeah. <know> <laughs> That's like a great opportunity for a line to be like, oh, well, you you never asked for some checks. You could have asked, like, you wouldn't have told him. Like, you wouldn't have fessed up. Luke Gostas breaks into his British accent. Ah, oh, fuck off. Yeah, fuck <laughs> off. What are you on about? <laughs> F- fucking jog on before, before I start shooting at you. <laughs> fuck off. Oh, so I, one thing I actually kind of want to bring up because I kind of looked into some reviews at, on Letterboxd and... <laughs> Some of these are just, I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm trying to find one. Uh, is it just me or is every Steven Seagal film literally a half-star film? <laughs> yep. Uh, Steven Seagal, this is a lot of fat shaming. Steven Seagal is fat, seriously fat, like really fat. He only sits in a chair for 80% of the movie, but at least the image is crisp. One and a half star. Oh, terrible. terrible. Uh, just destroying him the entire... First, Firstly, this is a Luke Goss action film. Secondly, it has one of the worst monologues ever delivered. It is delivered by Seagull, who at one point declares that he wasn't born on the back of a fucking turnip truck. That's the one. <laughs> yes. I was trying to think of earlier when I said he gave the cliche wrong. Like there's a there's a cliche that says like, well, I was born at night, but not last night. Yeah. Like I was he was like, oh, I was born at night, okay. <laughs> I was like, you oh. fucked that up, dude. <laughs> so now, uh, since the return, I've decided to do a new rating scale in celebration of the man himself, Billy Blanks. Tybo King himself, aka Khan, aka you're gonna find out in a future episode. So, out of five blanks, what would you give this movie? Uh, I would give it half a blank. <laughs> like, oh, I half- agree with that person on Letterbox. Like, I mean, maybe a full blank if we're being generous. <laughs> but so. I, I'm going to give this because it didn't hold my attention. One one scale is often, if I go to the bathroom, do I pause it? If I don't, mm. that's a lot of blanks lost. And so I'm going to give it half a blank. Yeah, I have to agree. And yeah. you know what? I have that, that scale as well, that sort of point of, of measurement. And there was a point for me where I was like, do I pause it? I did because I was like, well, I've got to make sure I, I, I see every second of this for the podcast. But the fact that I questioned, the fact that I wasn't like, yes. oh, I need to pause it, that that does it for me. Like I would have otherwise left it going. Exactly. And when it comes to like, you know, there's, there's this thing that used to exist called movie theaters. And every time I used to go to the movie theater, if I had to go to the bathroom, if the movie was bad, there'll be a contemplation. Go. Go, Should I just walk out? <laughs> Should I just leave? Uh, it's not happened for a while, but it's it's been close sometimes. I uh, there was one which was so bad, but I think I was working, so I couldn't actually leave. It was Smurfs too. I was <laughs> I was watching it for work, and I went to the bathroom. Went, should I just grab the guys and go? And then I was like, no, no, I got I, I got to sit through it. And it was the one time I was looking through my phone and I actually had my like hood over so that I could hide this, 
actually shine from the phone so that it doesn't disturb <laughs> anybody else because that movie was god awful. I hate Neil Patrick Harris for this. He was in that movie and I hate him for it. He is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Terrible, terrible. Wow. Yeah, that's five terribles. So there we go. Now, thank you so much, uh, Juice, for coming on. Really appreciate it. If you want to just uh, plug your whiz, uh, go ahead. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, if you're listening and you thought I had some funny things to contribute, you'd like to hear my voice elsewhere. Um, I do a theater podcast called Breaking the Fourth Wall. Um, half the episodes are, are exclusive to Spotify because they have music from the shows. And so what I try to do is I give a deep dive into like the history of them. And so like, if you, if you, even if you're not familiar with them, you'll still get a lot out of it. Um, that said, if you're not and you, and you like MMA, like uh, sort of uh, fighting and that sort of thing, I do a podcast called fighting with myself. And I just released a new episode of that. So um, check yeah. me out. Yeah. I, I actually asked a, a question for the, the most you did. recent episodes. So you, did. Uh, you can hear my question when it comes up and yeah, definitely uh, check it out. And funny enough, with Spotify, I've actually started grabbing songs from the movies I watch and making a Spotify playlist. So I'll go throw that in the description. Uh, once again, thank you so much, uh, Juice, for coming on the show. Uh, next time I need, need you for a bad MMA uh, movie, you're definitely the first person I'm going to talk to. You're the number one MMA bad movie guy. So, <laughs> so we'll be back next week, guys. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.